You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. Following a couple week hiatus for the holidays, the Mini Market Pod is back and we have the whole Mini Market squad in the house. Dalton with Isaiah Connor and Lucas. Fellas, it's been a while. Welcome back. We're following a week 18 win about the Vikes. Do we feel good about that? I feel good about being back. Oh, yeah. Dalton, let me pose it to you this way. Do you, would you feel good about scraping out a C on a final of a class you know you failed regardless of the outcome of the test? C plus. Oh, I was going to say That's C plus. minus. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> and it was an yeah. easy test. Everybody's walking out of there like, wow, that was an easy one. Yeah, I didn't even study. I know I aced it. Didn't get one wrong. And you're like, Ooh, I don't know. Jim, talk to me. I don't know, Jim. I, yeah, I feel like I honestly would have rather just lost the game. Draft pick. I think yep. it would have moved us up like two picks. Fine with it. I mean, what I think it was um, like, I told, like, was it like Halloween time or just after that that I already said the season was over? So this is really just prolonging it. <laughs> now it's officially over, but I've kind of been finger on the pulse for a long time on that. Why'd I go? So more losses would have meant a better draft pick, which would have been good for me. Yeah, we'll have to go back uh, into the archives and find out when you officially put the nail in the 2021-2 Viking season. Speaking of the archives, I went back to episode 35. I think we're on Whoa. episode 49 right now. So for our, our listeners who listen every week, you might remember we predicted the game-by-game win-loss of the Vikes. We killed it. Do you guys remember what we predicted for a season record? Nine and eight. Correct. Nine and eight. Wow. So not bad, but... I went week by week. Half the games wrong. <laughs> we were ten and seven on the season. So. <laughs> better than the Vikes. Ten and seven. Yeah, sneaks into the playoffs. playoffs. We might even keep our jobs. Chip, chair, chance. But we started chance. off hot. We were five and one in our picks going wow. into the bye week, and then we went one and five in the next six weeks to bring it back to six and six. And then we we did all right at the end of the season. We'll see next season. There's always next season, right? I mean, ten and seven <laughs> is like that. Sounds like a pretty average Viking season. Like if you just say like, yeah, oh, what do you think the Vikings are going to be? Yeah, about 10 and seven, you know? So Minnesota squad through and through. So we're not going to do the, since this week was kind of a meaningless game, we're not going to do our typical game Vikings segments, but we're going to do those segments in a macro scale over the whole season. So we're going to give you our season MVP who we'd vote off the Island as far as the worst season performance. And maybe a power pivot page turning game of the season. Whoa. So, guys, let's start with the most underwhelming. If you had to vote one person off the island, the whole squad for their season long performance, who are you voting off? Lou, you start us off. Any backups you really hated? You know, really yeah, hated pretty much over the course all. of the year. How many backups? I mean, I've got a guy. If you guys are interested, I did pick Watch a guy yourself. to vote off Kellen today. Just saying, from today's game, if you're curious. But um, season long, uh, 
This is one of the moves that I think uh, Zem and Spielman really got right this year. Bashad Breland, no longer a part of the team. Uh, I was very high on him going in. I was excited about the experience because he was on the Chiefs for their big playoff runs. And he had good numbers going into the season. And then he just was terrible. I mean, I think he had one interception, one game that was pretty cool. But other than that, I mean, he was just awful. So, yeah, that's that's my vote. I know there are probably some some potentially better options, yeah, but he's really the one sticking in my mind that was just very, very poor to me. Yeah, I got to agree with Lucas on this one. Um, I kind of was going to say the Vikings already got it right by voting him off the island in, in their own way. With cutting him from the team makes it pretty clear. Um, I think one other player that I thought about was Rashad Hill. He had a pretty bad season overall. Also, low-key Garrett Bradbury. I think part of it is his weight in being a first-round pick. You think like, okay, you draft a center in the first round. That's a guarantee, like like four-time Pro Bowler in my mind, right? Like when you pick a center that high, I think you just lock into like, you don't have to worry about the center position for the next 10 years. Like that's just kind of locked up. So to me, those those three, but I, I would agree with Lucas Breland was so bad and in, in the vital position for our team where we struggled in the secondary to have him be so bad as one of our starters was tough. Tell you what, I, I got in a guy who would totally disagree with you, Connor, on Garrett Bradbury. It's Chris Collinsworth. Yeah, he loved him on that <laughs> Sunday night game because he caught that ball <laughs> against the Packers. He he, he would have talked about that for the rest of the night if they would have let him. They should have. Um, um, and they should have given Bradbury a, a tryout at tight end as soon as Con or yeah, uh, maybe we just had him at the wrong position. Yeah, geez. He feels like a, oh, he was a tight end in college kind of guy. Yeah, he played but, basketball too. Yeah. Ooh, Jimmy Graham. Oh yeah. Um, okay, I'll go. I, I kind of read this question a little differently. Um, underwhelming. So I'm thinking, who did I have high expectations for? Who was I really excited to watch this season? And who let me down because of those expectations? My dad always says, high aspirations, low expectations. You can't get disappointed that way. Um, but I never listened. So I was super, super excited to have Daniil Hunter back this season. Um, as we all know, he is probably the most important person on the Vikings defense. Um, we can, you see it in all over the league when there's a guy off the edge, who's just dominating. It really, really changes like how good your secondary is. Like our secondary could have used a guy getting after it on the line. Um, it changes the timing for the quarterbacks. It is a nightmare. I'm guessing for O coordinators to, to figure out how to, to block guys like that. You see it with like, just some of the premier dudes out there, like the Rams benefit so much. Um, and then like the, the Steelers also, I think that defense got boosted up quite a, quite a bit by Watt just being a dude. Um, and that's what the Vikings needed with Daniil Hunter. And uh, he played seven games, had six sacks and 23 tackles. Um, not exactly what we wanted from him. And I understand he got hurt. And so you really can't like knock him specifically for that. I'm not saying like it's, like injuries happen and it sucks, but it's just like disappointing. Uh, it was underwhelming to have another season with Daniel Hunter kind of not really making an impact for the team. Um, and it's, it's sad that it goes this way. It, and it is interesting that it happened with him because he was a guy we talked about going into the season of like, 
Do you try to re-sign him? Do you put up with this crap? Because remember, he was doing his whole uh, contract stall out type thing going into this season. And everybody, I think we all maybe agreed, except for maybe Dalton, because he just doesn't want to pay any players ever. Yep. Um, that we we would stick it out with Daniel Hunter because we know the upside is so high. Um, but I think we saw again what happens. You just have a ton of payroll being chewed out by a guy not playing. So that was kind of underwhelming to me. Another name I'll throw out there sort of in that same vein was Michael Pierce. I feel like everyone was really excited for him to come back. He sat out last season for COVID reasons, and he had two sacks in the opener against Cincy. And it was like, yes, here we go. We're going to be rolling. Our D-line is going to be dominant. And then he sort of just disappeared. He only played eight games. He was, he was out. He was injured. I feel like that signing has been very, very underwhelming. Yeah, eight games in two seasons. Uh, to quote a movie, what that guy said, what both those guys said, um, kind of the whole D-line, honestly, you could argue, was just disappointing. Like Dalvin Tomlinson, in and out of the lineup, effective a lot of times when he was in there, but sometimes he was just really bad. You know, the, the whole D-line just seemed like they underperformed a little this year for us, which uh, is typically a really strong, um, not a strong strength, but a really positive thing for the Vikings in general. All right, now let's flip it. Did the Vikings have the worst running defense? Sorry, did do we actually have the worst running defense in the NFL? I think we were like 30th out of 32. Yeah, so, so we had. So uh, I think that's how it happens when the whole yikes. line is just not as good yeah. as you want them to be. Yeah, which is which is wild too. Like we injured some of. I mean, I don't know if they're actually the best linebackers, but Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, when they're in there together, are a pretty good duo, I would say. And I mean, announcers tend to rave about those guys. I don't know if it's just because they're the big name guys that have been there forever, but yeah, defense. We thought they were going to be good this year and oof, stems from the interior. Connor always says big guys don't get enough credit. Never do. And that's just in life, not even just football. But anyways, continue. All right, let's flip it. Who's your season MVP? Connor, start with you. I feel like this one's a pretty obvious one to me. Justin Jefferson, I mean, another stellar year for him. I believe just missed breaking Randy Moss's record. Would have had an asterisk to most people anyways with the additional game. But just to be in that same conversation, to feel like we got a guy like Randy, it just is a bit of a bummer that it feels like we don't, and not that he, not specifically him we're not taking advantage of because obviously he's getting his. But as a team, you know, when Randy was driving, the team was driving, which is ironic of a guy who like kind of is associated with being a little bit more selfish. But um, yeah, when Randy was good, the team felt like we were pretty good. And right now we're just not really experiencing the same type of success as Justin Jefferson has a career year again, I would say, back-to-back years here and clearly our best offensive weapon um, and maybe our best player overall. So fun to watch. Anyone disagree? Anyone have another name for their season MVP? Are you going with a kicker or something? <laughs> no chance. I just wanted to add top five in the league in catches with 103. This is before today's game's stats included. So top five in catches with 103, top two in yards, over 1,500 yards, uh, top 10 touchdowns. He had nine and uh, top two in 20-plus yard catches, uh, 24 of those. And I think he has the record for catches and receiving yards through two seasons in NFL history. Bang, bang. Are you guys mad that they didn't try to get him the record at the end? Vikings Twitter was 
up in arms about that. Yeah, that uh, to me was kind of a classic Zimmer. Like, I'm not going to let anything ruin this game for me. I think he was going to let him go for it on that. Uh, I can't remember. It was the last driver, the second to last one where he dropped the, they threw a screen to him on first down and he dropped it. And I imagine Zim just went right in the headset, run the ball. Don't even, I'm like, he's like, either run it or knee it. Just don't throw it again. <laughs> I'm, that's what, that's what I think happened. But boy, am I frustrated. Um, he missed him on, Kirk missed him on that wide. I don't know if you can be any more wide open unless you're playing backyard football and you have the hocus pocus play on. But, <laughs> and he's reappeared <laughs> wide open down the field. Oh, that was pretty good. That was really um, good. But yeah, obviously not too fresh because it's a touchdown, but it uh, gave me flashbacks to when Adrian Peterson uh, broke Dickerson's record. And I, he like came up just short of the of a touchdown. It would have been so cool to see him like break it on a touchdown run. But oh well, like you guys said, Asterix would have been there, and people would have criticized him for it his whole life. So oh well, <laughs> that's pretty extreme at the end. Like you'll never be shit, Duck. You're just like your father. <laughs> um, I I. I would agree with Lou. It would have been fun for him to get that. Um, I'll really know the answer on if I was disappointed about it. Um, probably probably about 8 o'clock tonight as my fantasy championship winds up tonight. So it would have been nice to get a couple extra catches and yards for Justin Jefferson in that championship game. Sidebar, Week 17 fantasy championship is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, you got to talk to your commissioner. That Jalen Hurts is my quarterback, dumb. so that one stings when he sits out. So, anyways, well, that's um, on you for having Jalen Hurts as your quarterback. Uh, oh, you mean the number three producer in fantasy this year? Yeah, I guess what? that is on me. Championship, he's in the boy. championship, Dalton. Really? Don't come to Connor. Don't step. But anyway, that's just, that's just a personal note on Justin Jefferson. I think I'm going to win, anyways, despite Zimmer trying to foil my season. But just I wanted to get out there. Week 17 fantasy. Don't do it, people. Doesn't. Doesn't that just embody Zimmer's time? If he does end up getting fired, doesn't this just perfectly embody his time as a head coach with the Vikings? Where you just like, like, dude, let let like have a little fun every once yeah. in a while. Like you're yeah. not a player's coach at all. No, not a player's coach in any regard. Like you're about to get fired. This dude has been super important to you the last two years, even and though you probably didn't even realize it. Just the like win is go locked for it. up. Like even if you throw a pick six. The odds of you losing that game are so slim. And even if you do, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't. just doesn't. Throw the ball. Let no. the kid have a little fun. Yeah. I think. On the complete contrary, on the Bears side, like they went for fourth down what felt oh. like six times today. Like It was like they didn't care. They're just going to roll the dice, let it play out, <laughs> they have were, fun, and swing they it around. Like, they were the complete opposite. They wouldn't give it to Montgomery. That was like, Maggie's definitely gone. He has to be. That was just yeah. stupid. Oh, he's... He's for sure gone. Remember when he was he was coach, head of, coach the of the year? year. <laughs> His first year, he won the NFC yeah. North and was coach of the year. How oh, the mighty! Well, I remember when they beat us with Mitch Trubisky, and I was like, I was like worried. I'm like, this is going to be tough for the next like however long Matt Nagy's going to be the head coach of the Bears because it felt like he just understood how to beat Mike Zimmer's defense or something. You know, he's doing all these freaking trick plays and stuff like that. I was legitimately sitting on my couch sweating, but uh, could not have been more wrong about Matt Nagy. Terrible coach. (laughs) Just brutal. (laughs) Uh, The NFL, man, it is such a... 
what have you done for me lately type of type of league. True. Okay, so to close out our Vikes season segments, do you guys have a power pivot page turning game of the season? Isaiah, start with you. This is tough. I feel like I have a few. Um, as I always do, I tend to I like to try to skirt the rules. Yeah, exactly, Connor. Exactly. Three games um really stand out to me as potential power pivot page turning games of the year. First is the Cowboys loss on a Sunday night to a backup quarterback, Cooper Rush, like basically never played at home. Um, you just have to win that game. That we went from could have been four and three to three and four. Um, and then the next one was the San Francisco loss. As weird as it sounds, I felt like we had gained a little bit momentum back to get to five and five again. Um, and then kind of getting sort of pounded by San Francisco um, kind of changes the way you feel about the game. But I think I think I got to go with you can't you can't lose to the Lions. That's two losses in a row. Puts you at five and seven. Um, that's when I think I knew for sure the season was over. There was, there was no, no way to salvage that. Even if you like somehow make it to the playoff, it's like you lost the lines. You're a joke team, joke franchise, joke city. Jeez. Hopefully we have no listeners from Detroit. Sheesh. I mean, he, he's spot on there. Week 12 lost to the, to the winless lions. I mean, at that point, if you can't even beat a team, with no wins at that point in the season, you have no business even being in the, in the hunt. Don't even put them on the graphic in the hunt for the playoffs season over Connor called it way before that still. So that's probably if I had to guess his, but could be wrong. No, I, I, my prediction is Connor's was uh, the Halloween, October 31st, the Cowboys. That's my, that's my prediction for Connor saying the season's over. Yep, Ike's right. I'm pretty sure that was the game. And it's just like, you can't lose to a backup quarterback in the NFL. Like, the Cowboys have, they're a good team, obviously. But when you get a chance to go from Dak Prescott, who a lot of people consider like a top, even a top five quarterback, I'd say he's definitely top half, right? Like, there's no argument there. So at the very least, a top half, probably a top 10 quarterback to a backup who most people probably never heard of the casual fan. You just, you can't lose that game that pivots the whole season. I mean, you just win that game and obviously everything can change throughout the season, but it's just like that one at home against the backup quarterback. You can't lose that game. I'm pretty sure that was the game when I put the fork in the team. Brutal, brutal. Hey, the Lions did win today, though, Lou. So maybe oh. we kind of jump-started their season. They beat the Pack today. So maybe we jump-started their 2022 season. 2021, 22, 22-23 um, season, I, mean, I guess. Dan Campbell's probably keeping his job, and Mike Zimmer's not. What does that say? It says that Dan Campbell was a first-year coach with no expectations. <laughs> um, Imagine the- being a Lions fan, though, because the Jags also won. So you're just like, please lose. Secure the number one pick. My, one of my old roommates is literally a Lions fan, huge Detroit guy, just bleeds that weird color blue and gray. Um, texted me, we can't do anything right today. <laughs> about, the, so about the Lions win. <laughs> literally said the Lions can't do anything right. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing as Vikings fans, how kind of underwhelming, as we said, miserable this season may have been. There are worse franchises out there. There are far worse franchises out there. So that's, you know, happy and a happy, crappy, happy right there. 
Indeed, indeed. Okay, let's do a quick MFK or cut sign release. What is it? <laughs> Bench start What's cut. Love no, caress. No, no. No, what is, we've got one. What do we call it? It's a bench. Oh, it's yeah. Uh, bench start start bench release. Start bench cut. Is it? That's typically what it is. Yeah. But don't we do? Uh, okay. We did like a sign, what, sign did, trade sign release. trade cut. Yeah, sign trade release. We did. Okay. All right. Let's do a quick sign trade release at the end of the NFL season. For these three names, we're talking announcers. We've got Joe Buck, Ian Eagle, and Jim Nance. Wow. Sign trade release. I think uh, for me, I signed Joe Nance. Joe Nance. Nance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Making names up. <laughs> Jim Nance. There we go. Um <clears throat> What are my other options? Sign, cut, release. Uh, trade, 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 and release. Trade. I'll trade IN Eagle. I would too, because that with that name, you get a lot of value. He's yeah. got a good voice. And then too. I'll cut. Then I'll cut homeboy. I think uh, not a Joe Buck guy, huh? He's okay. He's, I'm, I don't have like a thing against him. He's just, uh, whatever. He's as versatile as Nance, though. I mean, he does everything. He actually might do more than Nance. Now that he's calling the, the U.S. Open, yeah. hello, friend. <laughs> he doesn't do as nearly as many Capital One commercials. True. Yeah, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go the same as Connor. Jim Nance is just a legend, staple. But uh, got to keep Iron Eagle around because he's just you know when I'm throwing a game on in the afternoon when after the Vikes are played, flip it to ABC because I don't want to watch the Packers or the Cowboys on on Fox. Iron Eagle's my guy, lulls me right to sleep. Nice little afternoon nap. Little afternoon nap. Dalt? I agree too. Podcasts okay. are best when all the hosts agree and there's no yeah. disagreement. Yeah, I love that's that. Fun. I love that. I'll 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 disagree. I'll ruin this podcast for everybody. Um I will I'll sign Iron Eagle oh, because right. I think he is undervalued and is gonna be the next big guy. He's going wow. to be the next guy. So I'm going to get in early, sign him to a long contract, mm. uh, lock you know, him up, keep the yeah. money forward. Buxton. Yep. And then really reap those rewards later. Because um, he does basketball too. Healthy. People forget Ian Eagle does college hoops, baby. And I, I love me some what? Sunday afternoon college hoops. Ian Eagle. Yeah, but Ian Eagle does it as well. Um, like I said, so, so I'm signing him because I got my guy, Jim Nance, um, but I know he's getting up there in age. He's starting to lose interest. Maybe he's putting Jim Nance out to pasture. Just right too now. expensive. <laughs> potentially. He's really, he's really hamstringing us with the cap. So I'm, I'm cutting Jim Nance. Oh, okay. And I'll sign Joe Buck. I like Joe Buck. I think he's a, he's, he's a decent one dude. last wrinkle. Didn't you trade? Who'd you trade? Uh, I, tra Joe I trade Buck. Joe Buck, I guess. Okay. I don't know what that means in our right, thing. Yeah. I don't think we ever figured that out. <laughs> no. But I think, I think trade is equivalent to F, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay. Love him and leave so him. I mean, there's yeah. some value. Yeah. Where do no, they say Joe Buck has more value than Jim Nance is essentially what One last said. wrinkle. Um, Because you can trade and get something for him. And sign value. and trade. Sign and trade Joe Buck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where does the key to leave fit into all this? <laughs> He's not. He's on his own list. He's a different. He doesn't know. Color. color Drake swag, but no. The color list. 
Uh, what was that? <laughs> color commentary <laughs> list. The color analysts list. Analysts um, in list. Yeah, that'll be a fun one for next time. But Lucas, I was going to say the reason we did that is because as we started recording, I got a text out of the blue from my dad that just said, I got to say, Ian Eagle is a very fine announcer, <laughs> which means he did exactly <laughs> what you did, which is he watched the Vikes and then switched away from the Fox game to the CBS game. And Ian Eagle was calling it. Yep. 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 <laughs> it's a good move for all those who have never done it. That's a free one. Maybe I cut Joe Buck and signed Jim Nance, but yeah. You got your guy, Ian Eagle. It doesn't matter. Exactly, Lou. We got the future. And you almost get Ian Eagle. It's like a LeBron James type thing where his son is a broadcaster too. So you get Bronny in the mix as well. Um, you get Ian Exactly. You Connor, and Eagle. Connor gets it. Connor gets Ian it. Eagle and you and Eagle. So <laughs> we get them both. We Eagles. It's funny because Ewan is like a name yeah. too. That's yeah. good, Connor. His son's name probably. If he had a sense of humor, he would have done that. Yeah. Strikes me as a guy with one. Anyways, we're falling off the tracks a little bit here. Dalt, would you rein this goddamn show in? Are you I'm the host? Loving where it's going. I'm <laughs> loving where it's going. But okay. Vikings finished the season eight and nine. I think the news has been out there for a couple days now that it sounds like Zimmer is going to get fired, but Spielman has a good chance of keeping his job, which was kind of wild to me. But... We're going to use this opportunity to role play. I'm going to be Ziggy Wolf. Isaiah, you're going to be Mark Wolf slash Ziggy Wolf's consultant. Connor, you're going to be Rick Spielman. Lou, you're going to be Mike Zimmer. This is our meeting tomorrow morning, Monday morning, after the season concludes. All right? Let's get into the character. <clears throat> this is really bad we, should, we have the opportunity to cut this right it's gonna be fun though. this is live. Up on oh, live it's our first ever live podcast Lou. and now the mini market playhouse presents what wilf they think up next a dramatized look into the exclusive offices of the illustrious Wilf family. Gentlemen, uh, welcome. You know, not the season we were all hoping for, obviously, missed the playoffs, uh, eight and nine season. I know I. Ziggy Wilf, I'm really disappointed. I think the entire ownership. I miss ownership. it too, as a Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Uh, I hear you guys. Um, oh, Mike, your key works, huh? Good to have you in here. Yeah, you so, know. Thanks, uh, guys. You know, I just, I just wanted to get your thoughts first. We'll start with start with Mike. Uh, what were your thoughts on the season? Sorry, what was that? I was just putting putting some red man in. Oh, thoughts on the season. Uh, yep. Um, Mike, I'm, I'm going to, you know, we're just going to have to go a separate way. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, we're going to be firing you. Uh, thanks for all you've done, but uh, we're going to go a separate way. So. All right, good. I've, uh, I've got an eye doctor appointment I actually have to run to. So, thanks. Hey, Ziggy, we appreciate the opportunity. Um, best of luck uh, going forward in the future with this friend. Rick, uh, I, I, we're, we're sort of on the fence, but I was just... Oh, you know, how do you feel about the season? And, you know, why do you think we should keep you around? 
Is that for me or for Mike? For Rick. Mike's gone. Mike, Mike's Mike gone. Nah. Mike, <laughs> Mike, appreciate all you did. Um, no, I think the key thing for us is that we got to look across the board at recent draft picks. Um, obviously, I mean, Justin Jefferson, talk about a swindle of a move. We basically traded a receiver and then replaced him with a cheaper receiver that arguably is better within the digs trade. I mean, obviously, uh, Mike, <laughs> I mean, you've met Mike. He had nothing to do with that. P-Brain, he didn't even know that we could trade draft picks until I told him that. Um, and you know me, I'm all about getting draft picks. So naturally, I was, I was huge on that move. And I know that <clears throat> I've heard some, there's like shows and news and podcasts out there that will give me a hard time about getting a lot of late round draft picks. But I think that that was a move that you can say that I moved up, got early picks, did a good service to the team by bringing in a top end receiver. I think it's clear that Kirk Cousins has worked out. Um, he's a top end, top end quarterback in the league. Um, there's just some pieces. We got to so move clear around wins and losses, but pardon that. Not so clear that he worked out in terms of wins and losses, but well, to your draft pick point, I mean, what do you think about guys like Chaz Surratt and Wyatt Davis, Kellen Mond, some of these earlier draft picks from last season that really have made no contributions and look pretty poor in the, the limited playing time they've had so far? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, coaching is just such an important part of developing picks. You can only do so much. Um, we scout, We scout hard. We do a good job of scouting, and then we bring in these just ripe apples ready for the picking and what happens from there it's mike's not oh yeah mike left yeah it's just hard to say what happens after you bring him in i think um i remember calling you mark uh and we talked about some of those draft picks and you know kind of the direction of this team and we kind of all agreed on this um so if you're gonna fire me fire your brother okay so your case is that you drafted Justin Jefferson. Is that, is that your case, Rick? <laughs> well, I think Justin Jefferson, I think bringing in um, some talent. I, I don't know if you remember Brian O'Neill. He's also on the team. Um, pretty good pick there in the late rounds. Uh, Dalvin Cook. He's okay, according you, to some. Dalvin Cook, yeah, you really Madison. like him. You like what the contract that you signed him to? You like that? You really fan yeah. of that? You love I'm that one. Really don't proud you? Of that. you, you As love Rick's that one. Feeling, I am thrilled <laughs> with securing one of the top end running backs in what some would call a running back driven league. Mm. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we're deleting this section. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I think across the board, there's there's been some good picks. I mean, signing. The, the stuff we did with the linebacking core, signing those guys long-term, signing Daniel long-term. You know, if we have a healthy healthy defensive team next year, we bolstered up a little bit this year in the draft. I think the defense is kind of an area where we have opportunity for improvement in the secondary. They can create – we can make a better team. I also think schematically on offense, with a new coach that will be coming in, we'll maybe have some opportunity there to um, get more creative – and branch out, take some more risks, and really let Kirk Cousins kind of take the reins on this offense and, and, and see where it goes. So I think at least two more years to really know if I'm doing a good job or not. Mark slash Mario, do you have any questions for Rick? 
Uh, no, sir. I think Ricky, you make a good points, and we'll have uh, to. Me and Ziggy will discuss and continue conversation later. I don't know. You're like Ricky Rubio. <laughs> Did you just become Japanese at the end? I think he's Korean. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Aside from this great role play here, do you guys see a case as yourselves to keep Rick Spielman around? I do. Yeah, I do too. Like, I think he's actually assembled a solid team. And like, I, th- I think ultimately it comes down to what Ziggy really wants to do. Like, it, are you ready to blow it up? Are we ready to have a potential Brown situation on our hand? Or do we want to continue to tweak to see if we can get the right formula? I think we're a tweak team. I don't think teams want to blow it up anymore like they used to. But like, I mean, Looking at Zimmer's time here, which I think Spielman and Zimmer's time pretty much overlaps the whole time. I mean, seventy-two and fifty-six, so over five hundred. I'm over five hundred, obviously, well over five hundred. And I mean, every year the least amount of wins they had was seven in a season. So like we're, it feels like we're close. Like I, I can convince myself that this is a playoff roster pretty easily. I think a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans are similar that way, or at least ones that are kind of like nitty gritty in the details of the team. So to me, it feels like every year in the draft, it's like bolster offensive line, get more DBs and hope they pan out. And if we can do that, all of a sudden we add a few more pieces. We don't have to play Rashad Hill at line. We we have a couple more DBs. You know, the team starts to look a little bit better. I like our receiving core when healthy. I, I think we're a nickel team. I think we have a two linebacker system, four down, and then we play with five DBs. I like that a lot, and so that requires more DBs on our team. Um, so it's just kind of finding the balance a little bit, but I, I think I'm fine with Spielman staying. I think he's hit enough on draft picks to me that I'm willing to keep him. And I know, Dalton, you might feel differently. I know you feel like he's kind of missed too much. But I feel like there's an art of there's a lot of guys that I don't know if I'd be interested to see what the hit success rate of draft picks are, you know, especially in rounds like two through four, where that's kind of where you make your money, right? Like round one, a lot of times you're going to get decent guys, but two through four, if you can get guys in there that are productive, that's huge. Yeah, I think he's definitely hit, but it's like, yeah, interesting hit Enough. relative to the, the average. For me, it's just like, is this a formula that we think can win a Super Bowl? Like, is, is Rick Spielman that much better than the next GM candidate out there? I don't know. I would res- I just feel like Spielman was the guy who brought Zimmer in and thought Zimmer was the right guy to be running the team. Like, I would just prefer a clean break, start over, and let's go from there. I think that is a big point. Is It's kind of on Ziggy's shoulders. Is like, does he want to just have a fresh start? Because then... If that's the case, either Spielman is going to have to be incredibly flexible with what he's like, because clearly the approach hasn't worked, making that deep playoff run year in and year out or making the playoffs year in and year out. Um, And I agree with Connor. On paper, I think this team is very easily could be a playoff team. But the thing that this year specifically was Spielman's big claim to fame was re-signing a bunch of guys and bolstering that defense was the plan and they were still one of the worst defenses in the league granted Zimmer being as a defensive-minded head coach 
most of that blame probably falls on his shoulders. Again, as Ike mentioned, Daniil Hunter being out for most of the season was a big blow as he was kind of the core. They re-signed him to be pretty much the core of that defense. But I do think some of the blame certainly has to fall on Spielman's shoulders just on that approach. But it's, yeah, in my opinion, it's it's kind of on Ziggy. If he wants to have that completely fresh new look, I think Spielman's got to go because he obviously has his ideology and is going to kind of stick to that as, as he is, as he has in the past kind of going forward. So. I think it's a safe move. Like it's, it's safe to keep Spielman around, you know, he's going to be solid. He'll put together a solid roster and a new GM might try to like make a big splash and that could backfire big time. And he, I mean, that's a 50, 50 right there. And I would argue if you if we bring in a new GM, they have to make a big splash. Like they have to get rid of contracts and like create the team they want. Like if you get a new GM, I think Kirk Cousins is probably gonna go at the end of his deal or sooner. Because if I'm a GM coming into a team, unless I'm in love with Kirk Cousins, which I am, but if the GM isn't, it's one of those things where like you blow this whole thing up. Like Harrison Smith gone. Like, there's no point in keeping some of these guys who won't be here for the successful years. Like, if I'm a GM, I'm coming into a role. I don't think I'm trying to tweak things because I don't think that's how I create my team. You know what I mean? Or maybe that's just a bad way to look at it. Maybe that's the selfish way. I don't know. I agree. If it's time to blow it up, I think we're going to have some really tough years. I think, like, because we have some, like you mentioned, kind of some big contracts on the books with Kirk, with some of the guys on the defense that have been here for a while. Kendrick's bar Harrison like it could be a very I mean if we get rid of them it'd be a big cash dump but it could be some very tough seasons rebuilding if basically we take all those guys out and it would buy time for the new GM right like you come in you get rid of all these guys well now okay we can't evaluate me as a GM until I get to rebuild and get my draft picks in and all that where if you try to take the same team and then next year we go four and 13 and it's like whoa we have the same we have we just went eight and nine with this squad and now we're worse like it's easier to just sort of clean break and buy yourself some time well if you're ziggy wilf you have to know that the guy who's running your franchise like is gonna pick a good coach right like because that's going to be probably just as or more important than whoever the gm is and so do you trust Spielman to, I would say, make another good choice? I think Mike Zimmer was a good ho- coaching hire for the Vikings. I think he, um, I mean, obviously we made a dent. Like this team was always solid, had a chance to win a Super Bowl or like go to a Super Bowl, um, went into the playoffs a couple of times here and there. I think they were like largely successful if you look at it. Like this isn't like a disaster hire. Like it wasn't a brutal Jaguars hiring Urban Meyer type hire. Um, so I mean, and like, look at the league. Like if you say like Zimmer wasn't that successful, like Frank Reich, Sean McVay, Sean McDermott, Ron Rivera, Kyle Shanahan, all like good coaches, right? Like you'd say those are all good coaches. They don't all go to the playoffs every year, even when they have like a good team. It's, mm-hmm. it's really inconsistent in the NFL to like go to the playoffs every year. So I think if you're, if you're giving Spielman a vote, I think you have to give him more credit than not for hiring Mike Zimmer. Cause I think true just saying like how, Oh, it didn't work. Cause we didn't win a super bowl. We didn't go to the playoffs all the time. It's like, yeah, teams don't always like bounce back right away. It's not, it's not that simple unless you're in a, and we're in a tough league. Like when you're in the NFC North, you're always dealing with the Packers. They're always going to be good. So like 
it's it's harder than like say the Cowboys to go to the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, so I think if you're Zimmer, you have to decide if you trust Spielman to be able to find some tweaks and do it right, and do you trust him to be your next coaching hire guy, or do you want somebody else new to do all that? I have a quick little hypothetical for us. Rewind a little bit back to the Kevin Stefanski days. If you could, would you like it if we like just signed him as head coach back when we had him? That's the kind of mold of coach I would want, like a young yeah. offensive-minded head coach. So I guess probably. I, I don't know the like coaching carousel well enough to be like, well, here are the three other coordinators that I'd currently target, but like right, that's the yeah. mold I would want them to go after is like a young offensive minded coach to bring in some new energy. But then again, I was kind of hopeful that Clint Kubiak would do that as a young offensive guru for the coordinator position this year. And he was a, an absolute train wreck. So that's why I'm not paid to make NFL decisions. Right. That's yeah. kind of the I thing. would say based on the timing of it, I'd say no, like that's the guy we want to go after, but the, I was not ready to leave, move on from Zim, Zimmer at that time. If Kevin Stefanski came available now, I'd say, yeah, I'd be interested in him. I think I was the same way. I was never super high on Stefanski being like the, the head coach. And you know? then, cause I, I liked Zimmer personally. He, he's not officially fired yet. So we keep talking about him in past tense, which is kind of funny, but <laughs> Yeah. I'll be sad. I think the other I'll be thing, sad if he's not fired. Yeah. One of the questions I had was like from a GM's perspective, we all step into the GM role. And thinking back how this team was kind of built <clears throat> was, you know, when we made it to the FC Championship game, we basically built our defense up and then started to build our offense and then like as our offense started to get productive then we entered in a quarterback do you think the way to build an nfl team right now is to try to bring in a quarterback after you've built the team or start with the quarterback let them struggle through and build the team around them because i felt like the obvious answer was get the young quarterback but part of me is like i don't hate the model that minnesota used to be honest but go ahead I think if you if you look back and if like do you if you put Kirk Cousins on the 2018 team, do they win a Super Bowl? I think that is like a good estimation of like does this model work? Um, because that was when everything else was at like the best it's been in the last few years. Like the defense was the best it's been in the last five years. Like the offense weapons they were there. Like Thielen was just emerging. Diggs was sweet. Um, and we went kind of all in on with like Sam Bradford sort of with that year, right? That was, yeah. so I think Kirk Cousins was way better than Sam Bradford. And I kind of think it would have worked at that time. I agree. I don't think adding a QB when you have a full team, trying to build the team and then add a QB is the move because who do you, who do you know is going to be on the free agent market in like two years? It's really hard to project that. So you're, you'd be totally at the mercy of like, who is the free agent class this year? And in free agency, you're like, by nature, you're overpaying for whoever you sign because you're the team that values them the highest. And that's probably higher than average, right. and which then is probably their value. If you miss on a guy, like you bring in a guy like Sam Bradford, say like we did, and he just didn't pan out. And you have, say like we have young guys again, like if that happened now with Justin Jefferson, are we just wasting another two years of his career with a guy like who can 
again, if Sam Bradford's the, the example, who's inconsistent in and out of the lineup, like just not making chemistry, not going to be here for the long haul. Are we just wasting time of these, these young studs that we have? But I think you can say the exact opposite about starting with the quarterback. Like you, there's countless examples of young quarterbacks who didn't pan out and the team, the timing of the team became right, but the quarterback wasn't the right Mm -hmm. guy. And then you just wasted all that building and it took longer. Like, I feel like the Browns are right now a pretty decent example of how it can kind of go wrong. It's like they've invested in Baker Mayfield. They've invested heavily in the rest of their team. I think they've built up to be like a fairly decent team. And now they're finding out oh yeah, Baker Mayfield, he might not be the guy. And even if he is the guy and the timing isn't exactly right, then you're going to be the one overpaying to re-sign them after their fifth year. So I think you could say it's, it's. I mean, it's obviously, that's why these guys get paid so much money to try say, to figure out exactly how to do this right. But being a GM, yeah. head coach, owner is kind of, it's kind of tough. I think, so the reason I think I would go with the, the second way, the way that the Vikings did it is because I think you're going to be slightly better longer which is going to be a better financial, like as a team, are you going to be better off financially if you're kind of average and then get really good once you hit the guy versus kind of bad, like really bad when you're growing the quarterback and growing the rest of the team around them and then getting good. It's probably, but if you hit that guy right, then you've got a guy like, you know, for 10, 15 years. And that is way more upside, I think, than signing a guy. Right. But if he doesn't pan, then you could have a lot, a lot of years of lows again. While you try to find bring in the right guy again, so even if you like, you, and it doesn't necessarily have to be signing. Like I think the ideal scenario is you get all the pieces in place, and then half your team gets hurt, misses a whole season. You get the first pick, and you draft like a Trevor Lawrence. Like right, that's like the dream <laughs> scenario because then you have the rookie quarterback on the rookie deal. You're, the team's good around them, and now you have like four years to potentially win. So, like, even if you don't go the signing route, if you go with the the like drafting route, if you think there's a quarterback there that like, you know is is going to be the next Russell Wilson, where you get him in the third round and you think he'll be productive, you know that that's another angle to take too. Obviously, every every signing, pretty much, and every draft pick, you're rolling the dice on hoping they are what you think they are. You never know. It's true. That's why there's high turnover. If I were a GM, I would draft a quarterback every like four years in the first round. And if they don't turn out to be like a top 10 quarterback, just start over. Don't resign them. Because you could like look at Buffalo, like Josh Allen is like probably in the 10 range, but they're paying him as a rookie quarterback right now. He's on his rookie deal so they can just stack the team around him. Like I think that's the model. And then eventually you just either have a top five QB, you sign him to a long term deal, or you move on and you're always paying your quarterbacks. Not that much. I thought Josh Allen got paid. I think so, but I don't think his his uh, extension has kicked oh, in yet. Okay, okay. They just extended him. Gotcha. Well, what about remember the old Washington uh, football team method when they drafted Kirk Cousins and Robert Griffin the third in the same in the same draft? Should we just have <laughs> have a QB competition right away for two rookies? That worked really well for them. Yeah. We, we struck gold with Kellen Mond, I think. So we're, we're waiting for him to pull, pan out. Woof. Well, now that Zimmer's fired. Do you think he got fired be, for his comments maybe? about Kellen? Who knows? Those were no. funny. <laughs> that was funny. He was yeah. ruthless. Do you want to see yeah, him? more excited than Kellen Mond for a coaching change. <laughs> All right. Any closing comments on the Vikes? I'm sure we'll talk about them in the 
the off season, but anything on the, the season, anyone want to get in there under the wire? Hags have a great summer. <laughs> All right. Let's talk quickly about the wild. Big week for the wild. They had the winter classic and they had a couple of prospects debut. Connor, you want to take it away and talk a little bit about the winter classic and what's been going on with the wild recently? Yeah. So, um, I guess the, the underlying thing with the wild is injuries. So we've had a lot of injuries. It feels like half of our star power, if you will, um, is out. So last week we had Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi debut who are, are, is the wild's two highest prospects. Um, Boldy was a 2019 draft pick and Rossi was a 2021 or sorry, 2020 draft pick. I believe both first rounders. Boldy was the 12th pick. Rossi was the ninth pick, I believe. And so funny enough for Boldy, he's a Boston native debuted in Boston and scored a goal for the wild in his debut at home. Probably a super cool experience. Like, right. Like that's what you dream of. Obviously I'm sure he dreamt of it in a, in a Bruins sweatshirt or sweater, but um, obviously you take what you can get. And you know, there was a fun stat that came out. That was like the second time ever that somebody scored a goal, his first career goal against his home state team as the away team or whatever. Um, so that was that was really cool, really fun to see. Um, I thought they both played pretty well. Obviously, Boldy scored, but I, I didn't think there was anything that jumps out on the page. You know, this isn't Sidney Crosby's debut where they're just going to go off and you're like, yep, we found the guy for the next 20 years. But, I mean, I think these are solid players. I think they'll both be good contributors, and I think they'll continue to grow as hockey players. So that's big. And then... Question quickly on Boldy oh. and Rossi. I know they're the team's top two prospects, but I'm not like super close with, like, I don't follow the wild super closely. So in terms, I was, I'm trying to put this in terms of like prospects I know. So I'm going to give you three different pairs of twins prospects who debuted somewhat together. I want you to tell me where in this range, Boldy and Rossi sort of fall or if they're in between the two. So are they like Buxton and Sano level where they're hoping to like transform the franchise are they Rosario and Max Kepler, where they're like going to be solid contributors, but probably not superstars? Or are they like Trevor Plouffe and Ben Revere, who are going to be two guys who are in the lineup, probably contributors, but more so just like average professionals? Yeah, good, good spectrum there. I would say that this is closer. It's probably between Buxton, Sano, and Rosario and Kepler, with it shading heavily towards Rosario and Kepler. I think the difference is like Buxton, if I'm not mistaken, was like the number one prospect in all baseball hockey. It's a little different because like Rossi's class, um, uh, I'm forgetting his name, Alex Lafrente or something like that. He was the number one pick that year. And in hockey, like your number one pick, you're more than likely going straight to the big club. So it's a little bit different where like, you know, they're not Boldy and Rossi are not like top prospects in the NHL. They're just our top prospects. I'd say they're probably somewhere in the the late teens, early twenties in terms of the NHL prospects. Mm. Um, but it's difficult because the NHL also uses college almost as a farm system and the and juniors. So so you might own rights to somebody and he might be playing for you know the Boston Terriers or whatever. Um 
anyways, I would say to answer your question, I say it's closer to Rosario Kepler. I think these are going to be everyday players. I think there's a possibility of them transforming the franchise, which I think is fair to say like Rosario and Kepler, like there was a chance that those two came in and just blew the doors off. The Bucks and Snow would have been Kirill Kaprizov. That would have been the Bucks and Snow. This is a guy who, those are guys who come in and right away you're like, this is going to be our best player potentially, or at least one of our largest contributors. So huge for the team. Um, Rossi being a center, such a big position of need for the wild and for every team in the NHL. So if he's productive, that's huge for us. And then Boldy just being able to score, being able to score so crucial. The wild haven't, it's not, this isn't the wild of 2004. We've talked about this before. This isn't Jacques Lemaire's wild team. We do have offensive firepower. We're actually fun to watch. And, so it's not like we're dying to get goals or anything like that, but he will provide more power on the front end, which in today's NHL, you need two, maybe three lines that can really score and in order to be a cup contender, which don't look now, but the Wild look pretty poised to have a playoff run and a deep playoff Let's one at that. So, so continuing on that thought, obviously just beat last night the Capitals. So big win for the AHL Iowa Wild playing in St. Paul on the uh, big sheet pretty much last night with as many guys as we had out. Um, I know the beat writer for the Wild joked, like basically joked about this being like an Iowa Wild game. And like he tweeted out when he arrived at the X, took a picture of it and tweeted out, just arrived in Iowa. And um, obviously it was a huge joke because we were missing so many guys and they end up turning up a, a shootout win. So that's huge. And then to turn back the clocks a little bit more, um, the Winter Classic, what a spectacle. I mean, it was <laughs> such a Minnesota day, just freezing cold. The coldest NHL game on record, not to mention like top three in the coldest sporting event, like professional sporting events ever, I believe, behind like maybe a game at Lambeau and then some baseball game, I think, or maybe it was two games at Lambeau. I don't know, but... One of the coldest outdoor athletic events ever. I mean, it was just, it looked, it looked horrible in a lot of ways. Like I would have loved to be there. I think it would have been super fun, but I mean, it would have been miserable come the second period. Like the first period, it's like, oh, so exciting. Then all of a sudden the team's down like four two and you're just like, what am I doing here? And right, it's you spiraling can't, out of control. You, you paid money for that ticket and you're there. You can't just be like, all right, I just got to, I'm leaving early. <laughs> you're sticking that yeah. thing out. But I thought the the skate out introduction was really cool. They kind of came out of that little like I don't know tunnel thing. It almost looked like an ice house type of deal. But and then they skated out. That was cool. I thought the sweaters were sick. Um, the Minnesota sweaters were so cool. Um, the whole experience. It was just really cool to have like outdoor hockey in Minnesota with as prolific as it is here with you know the land of ten thousand lakes and all these kids growing up playing hockey. To have this game, I think, was a really cool thing and. Obviously, Minnesota already has Hockey Day Minnesota where a bunch of teams play outside. And um, and it just kind of is a tip of the cap to that, I think. And a really fun event. Super happy Minnesota was finally able to be part of the Winter Classic at home. That might have been the best, the coolest sporting event Minnesota has hosted since that a Minnesota team was involved in. Probably since like the 91 World Series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that a Minnesota team was oh, a part yeah. of, for sure, I would say. The Minneapolis Miracle, like, in hindsight, obviously, was sick. But, like, just the spectacle of the event 
got to be the World Series, I would think. Yeah, like with the lead up, knowing like this is going to be awesome. I mean, the, the Minneapolis Miracle obviously was a playoff game, so people were pumped. But it, it, I feel like this had more hype than probably anything in our lifetime or anything I can think of. Maybe I'm overlooking something, but no, I think I think that's fair to say. And I think the only thing that's that's interesting about this one is just like hockey is kind of a less. Um, beautified sport if you will if that's even a word in 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 the country right like hockey is just kind of like the out of the big four sports probably the lowest so it doesn't quite get the publicity but from hockey people i think in general they really enjoyed uh minnesota i think i think when you come here even in the winter even though it's cold you just there's fun things to do there's good people and the whole cliche thing of everything with that just really comes out and kind of shows it shows itself I think the TV ratings were like off the charts, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, most it watched was. NHL regular season game on cable. Yeah, it's cool. And obviously, it's, it's cool to have the Blues where it's like not that far of a a trip where there was probably a decent amount of Blues fans there. Um, obviously, I didn't see it, so I don't know, but I would imagine there was a decent amount. So that was that was a cool aspect of it as well. I'm it's funny because it was like an awesome event, but I don't know if I would have wanted to be there just because it was so right? cold and I'm soft. I'm like, ah, oh, just watch and you it get on to TV. see, Yeah, you get to see the whole thing, like bird's eye view and all the cool camera angles they have from, from you know, the comfort of your yeah. own home. Yeah, I was doing the exact same mental exercise of like, uh, it, I don't know if I would Although, go. Everyone but. I talked to, I, I knew like a ton of people. I'm sure everyone's Snapchat story had, had someone they knew there. And sure. everyone was just like, oh, it was such a cool experience. Just a sense. They didn't talk much about the game. It was just the experience. The atmosphere was so cool. So maybe next time, boys. Yeah. Maybe next time. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks for tuning in. After a long break, the Mini Market Pod is back. And we'll see you next week. Happy New Year. Go Wolves. Bye. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.